Welcome to Jurassic World. Welcome to Jurassic World Minute, we visit Jurassic World one minute at a time. Welcome aboard the Vomit Comet. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And on this episode we're discussing Minute 59 of Jurassic World. But before we get to that, as is normal, we're heading over to Jurassic-pedia.com with another Camp Cretaceous article. This time the poachers camp with uh, all the yurt, yurtens? Yurts? <laughs> yurts, that's all I know, I have to look for it in the article. Um, I'm guessing that's another name for an African tent or something, the way these are set up. Um, mm-hmm. Mitch and Tiff and Haps uh, camp on Isla Nublar after the evacuation of the island and in season two of Camp Cretaceous. Yeah, this was actually one they had gone up like right right after the Hap article went up. Uh, this one I think was done by Sickleclaw and then and the Hap article had been done by me. So it was kind of easy to just interlink everything right away. Mm. Yeah, focus on the same sort of stuff and get them done. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting because I think fans no, uh, noted early on. I mean, it wasn't to be, it wasn't so, but they kind of noted early on. When you first see those four yurts, you think that well, one's bathroom, one's like uh, utilities, bathroom, and stuff like that. One is uh, haps, and then everybody assumed. That Mitch and Tiff had separate yurts, <laughs> which I obviously wasn't the case. It ended up that one of them was a storage yurt where they had a uh, uh, decapitated cynoceratops. Yeah, that was a bit dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even even just having the nose sticking out from under the, the canvas, you could probably have it all covered and just have blood dripping off the table or something. Just to note it. Well, the... I mean, even... It'd even have to be a young one because they probably wouldn't be able to lift in a fully full size adults, you know. Well, that's it. Looking at the image here, the table's probably up to Darius's waist, and then it's only probably maybe a foot taller than his head where the top of the horns are. So it's definitely a, a juvenile. Yeah. Which is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but I still having this camp, the the size and. Um, logistics that went into this, having it so far inland, I could understand if it was just in, in the uh, the foliage hidden away from the stock or something where the boat was. But poor Hap yeah. having to lug all this stuff through the jungle, <laughs> almost almost to his main street. People were, people, people were like, "How did they get the Cynoceratops head to the back of the camp?" And I was like, "They probably made a Hap carry it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Which makes you wonder why they didn't have some sort of Jeep or Safari vehicle as well. Yeah, well, that is weird because, I mean, they came with that barge and all that equipment, but that barge didn't seem like it looked large enough to carry all the trophies they had planned to to take out of there. <laughs> you, know? you just imagine if they were successful and just the... the um, the clamp, it's, I can't remember what it's called now. What's the old sitcom with the, uh, with the car for all the furniture piled on the back? Beverly Hillbillies? Beverly Hillbillies? Oh, yeah, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, just this, this poor barge nearly, um, nearly sinking with all these, uh, animals' carcasses <laughs> and stuff on it. Oh, my God. We're turning something so dark into something <laughs> comedic. <sighs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> let, 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 let's end the, the bad thoughts. Uh, so head, yeah. over, head over to Camp, uh, camp Cretaceous. Head over to dress-peter.com for the approaches camp. Uh, Hap and uh, all the episode guide line, uh, guides are up there as well for season two. Zach, you're not going off to war here. Please. Come on. Dave, ready to get in a minute 59. Yep. As we're in a minute 50 out of Jurassic World. The boys were in a heap of trouble. As we open on minute 59, the Ankylosaur's club tail strikes the front of the gyrosphere and sends it flying against a tree. The gyrosphere malfunctions, leaving the boys upside down, hanging in their seats. At the 11 second mark, we cut back to the fight as the Ankylosaur gets a good hit on the Indominus' head with a club tail. But then it's all the Indominus, first trying to bite her back and then reaching over, grabbing her underbelly, and flipping her upside down. And with a kill shot, reaches down and bites the Ankylosaur's head and twists it, breaking the animal's neck. At the 31 second mark, Gray looks across to Zack and says, We're safe in here, right? Zack replies, Yeah, totally safe. Just as his phone starts to buzz on the glass above their heads. We cut to Owen and Claire, driving the G-Wagon, as Claire's trying to call the boys. 45 second mark, we cut back to Zack and Gray as Zack reaches desperately trying to pick up his phone to answer the call. But Gray can see something and tries to get his brother's attention. And as the minute ends, the two boys look forward as a big red eye stares in through the glass at them. Uh, as we end the minute 58, the Indominus and the Ankylosaurs uh, were about to square off and the boys were caught in the middle. As we open on 59 with a brutal impact to the glass ball, uh, spider webbing it around the area uh, where the Ankylosaur's club tail, tail strikes it, the ball spent spinning um, and it crashes in the base of a tree. And I love the little effect here, the spark effect sort of coming out of the bottom of it as the ball sort of shuts down and mm-hmm. um, leaves the boys upside down and uh, without any power. But it's um, it's a bit of an impact. <laughs> I know the, the dry spheres have got the, the four-point harnesses in them, but... It's um, having that sudden impact at the Ankylosaur, and then the spinning, and then slamming into the bottom of the tree as well. There'd be a bit of whiplash. Oh, yeah. Good thing that they're wearing with seatbelts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although they are only in fiberglass chairs, so, you know, um, comfort isn't our number one priority here at Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep saying, man. Plush leather. <laughs> Ford Explorer. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, as Zach tries the controls uh, to the right, trying to trying to right themselves, Indominus and, and Kylosaur are fighting. And it's uh, 
one of the only sort of fights we've seen in the franchise where it's uh, predator versus herbivore. We've seen plenty of predator on predator, uh, mm-hmm. seemingly there to save the day at the end. But uh, no, here we got the Indominus and it can't seem to bite through those spiny plates on its back. And um, no. I think the saw gets a, a good, good hit to its face here with its club tail as well. So it's it's standing up pretty well in the start of this fight at least. <laughs> In the start, <laughs> fortunately, things don't go her way. Mm. The no. Indominus flips her over. Yep. Yeah, as um as the boys are frantically on the controls trying to get the gyrosphere to move, then uh, Kyle sort of swings again but misses and sort of honks loudly, and then the Indominus reaches over the small animal and tries to lift her up and roll her over, which is sort of weird the way it does it. Reaches over the top of its back and then pulls it back towards itself mm-hmm. again having those big arms like the spinosaur did with the uh, the plane not like the trinosaur unfortunately for little arms but being able to mm-hmm. grab those spikes and roll it back over upside down mm-hmm. well what she does is she also kind of gouges her claws into the thigh so that it leans down and then and then pushes on her mm-hmm. you know yeah the one thing the animators did here they, they did make it a, a pretty compelling or much to real life sort of fight here um, mm-hmm. with the Predator being able to do what it can to to take it down. And even though she does lose, I do like that the Ankylosaur was able to get a couple good punches in before dying, you know? Yeah, well, it's only its real, real its second appearance in the franchise, and the first time was just moving through the jungle and waking up <laughs> the Kirby's and that in Jurassic Park 3, where he, we, um, we have him doing a little bit more, and... Since since childhood, when you first start learning about dinosaurs, one of the first ones you do learn about is the Ankylosaur and its club tail and just the thought mm-hmm. of that tail hitting things, breaking the knee of Tyrannosaurs and everything else. Although you're not gonna not gonna break the or break a leg on the Indominus Sea, it's too early in the film, but <laughs> it, it would be good to just see the animal be able to hold its own against the predator mm-hmm. um, that maybe isn't super super aggressive and super hybrid. Well, the in the Walking with Dinosaurs series, we do see the mother Tyrannosaurus succumb to the injuries of an Ankylosaurus wound. That's where I was thinking of it. I thought I'd seen that somewhere before. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Fortunately, her chicks don't starve to death as the Chicxulub crater impacts and vaporizes. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you're about to die. <laughs> I mean, there's one thing to kind of say for the... Okay, here's a tangent, but there's one thing to say for the Death of a Dynasty episode of the Walking with Dinosaurs miniseries. It is super depressing. <laughs> I mean, the first opening <laughs> words that Kenneth Branagh says is, the Earth is literally dying. <laughs> like, oh God, this one's going to be... Uh, this one's going to be a whole bouquet of roses. <laughs> I mean, you got the T-Rex that's that is trying to not succumb to the deacon traps that are uh, that are bubbling from to the surface, and then you have the mother Tyrannosaurus die from an Ankylosaurus uh, leg, uh, taking an, taking an Ankylosaurus's club tail to the leg, and then her babies are literally swept away in the shockwave from the from the asteroid impact. I mean, you just see those little suckers fly right <laughs> off the screen. It'd be, it'd be funny if it wasn't so horrifying. Oh, they were born a thousand years too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, to bring it back to the franchise, you imagine if The Lost World had been more book accurate and we'd had the dialogue at the end with the whole DX and the, the, the animals are dying, that Sauna's yeah, not long to be. Like, we get the film, we get the Tyrannosaurs reunited and the, the Stegosaurs and that, and the triumph of Jurassic music. I don't think you'd be able to do that <laughs> with the with the novel version. Um, yeah, the Hammond's speech at the end of The Lost World is much more <laughs> positive than the than Thorne's speech at the end of the book. Yeah. And then a comet hit the ground. We get a quick shot of the boys looking at each other before going back to the fight with the Indominus. As it rolls the uh, herbivore over onto its back and it just lays there with its legs in the air like a turtle. <laughs> Which I'd imagine with the way the spikes are laid out on the back of the Ankylosaur, it probably would be hard for it to right itself if it ever ended up on its back. Well, even more interesting is that the actual animal actually had more of a flatter back than the one that is portrayed in the movie here. So... Mm. Kind of makes me wonder how they would get off from their backs if they were to accidentally roll over. I mean, would they just be able to kind of shift their weight enough to roll back onto their feet, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because we haven't really talked about the design of these ones either. In um, Jurassic Park 3, we sort of had that more, the shorter um, the shorter horns spikes that went along the sides of the back yeah uh, and it was a lot more curved where here these this yeah. is what i like to call the texan longhorn version of the ankylosaur it's just real big um real big side horns maybe they're a lot older than what we've seen on uh sauna but well these ones are also seem to be sharper than mm. the ones from jurassic park 3 their side uh spikes seem to be like you said, they were smaller and less curved, but they were also duller. Yeah. They didn't have, come to as much of a point. Yeah, it's sort of all, all, I'd always thought that these were sort of wild wild animals, and that's why they looked a bit more, a bit older and a bit more, or a bit different. But and yeah, it's, it's possible this is a different variant, variant version, family, yeah. sub, sub version, <laughs> or whatever. Well, you... We see that Mazarani's been messing with uh, some of the other herbivores like the Triceratops and the Stegosaurus. <laughs> so I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Mazarani's like, okay, so these are good, but it can be better. Mm. Yep. Well, here we, we wanted more teeth with the carnivores. Here you got more spikes with the herbivores and longer, mm-hmm. which which again would make it a lot harder for them to ride themselves if they ended up upside down, but it uh, it does leave that gooey soft underbelly of the <laughs> ankylosaurus up in the air, and that's when Indominus lunges down and bites the uh, animal's head, killing it using a very familiar-looking twisting move, breaking its neck, which oh. I remember seeing in Jurassic Park Three. Yeah, Zach and Gray, they both kind of had the same reaction I just did, uh, <laughs> where they both turn away in like a cringed look. Yeah, well, it's not something you're expecting to see. You come to this island resort with all these animals, and although a little bit different to earlier when they seen the Trenosaur eat the goat. Yeah. Well, in the interestingly, in the book, she actually does come out and eat the goat in, during the daytime. Mm. So we never actually got that in the in the movie. So we never actually see the T Rex. Behind, uh, behind the fence, eating. In the in the movie. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, that's when Gray looks over at Zach and asks, we're safe in here, right? And Zach replies, yeah, totally safe. We're fine. Don't you remember the video before? (laughs) (laughs) And that's when a sudden buzzing pulls their attention away from the fight as Zach's phone slides around on the bottom of the glass ball uh, ringing. On the screen we can see the photo of Claire, which is a weird photo of her smiling and holding a takeaway coffee, it seems. So I don't know... We have these weird photos on these phones when people are ringing Claire's when she had a sister ring was them on some sort of skiing vacation here. Mm-hmm. Zach's got a picture of Claire on the phone just standing there with uh, takeaway coffee. Actually, it looks like she's sitting on a couch. Cause it looks like there's a couch behind her. Oh. I was only looking on my phone, so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Samsung phone. Another one. Too. <laughs> yeah. Product placement. No Apple here. <laughs> um, and I can't tell the carrier, but I might hazard a guess that it's Verizon Wireless presents the <laughs> Samsung Innovation Center's creation, the endowment of Zerax. I'd suggest that's most likely what it is, too. Yeah. Interestingly, though, there also looks to be a couple missed calls According to that one icon there. Uh, so, well, his phone's only on 14% battery power, so he's, he doesn't he didn't have long to have that phone anyway. Mm. Well, the missed calls make sense because we cut to Claire sitting in the passenger seat of G-Wagon asking to herself, or telling herself, come on, pick up, pick up, pick up. Like, so it's obviously not the first time that she's uh, been trying to call him. Mm-hmm. It's just Probably you know, not. Mm. But well, we also know that the cell service on the island is spotty. So, I mean, she could have been trying to call him, and he just didn't even realize it because the cell service didn't didn't allow the call to go all the way through mm. on his end. Yeah. It's also weird, too. There's no sound. It's only the vibration going. <laughs> you did it on silent. You're probably getting sick of the phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of wonder, because this is something that I pointed out, and people were kind of like, nah, you're crazy, but the sound of the vibration, does it's kind of sound a little bit like the T-Rex roar to you, like way higher pitched, but the kind of like tone and inflection of the vibration almost reminds me of the T-Rex roar. Yeah, I could see that. Every time, in this scene, every time I watch it, I keep on hearing Nick's satellite phone get it. <laughs> Thinking a, a little bit of a call back to the Lost World. But <laughs> I mean, I told you about how I had the Jurassic Park 3 ringtone <laughs> on my cell phone, and I kept getting spam calls, and my roommate in, in college was like, dude, you have to change that ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Gray turns his attention from the buzzing phone to something outside and whispers to his whispers his brother's name, and Zach says he's almost got it. But Gray whispers his name again, getting his attention, and once he looks forward to, uh, we get the reveal of the Indominus looking through the glass at them. Mm-hmm. And that sideways moving eyelid, eyeball, whatever you call that, on the, uh, on the reptiles. Nicotating membrane. That's the one. So... She's um she's killed the ankylosaur and now she's after uh, the little boys, little boys in the glass bowl. <laughs> like little fish in a fish in a fish bowl, and she's a cat. Mm. 
I do like the uh, shot we get here of the close-up of the Indominus's eye. I know it's supposed to be a... Um, I know it's supposed to be a reference to the first movie where her where we get the close-up of the T-Rex eye that Lex shines the flashlight into. But I remember when... Uh, I remember that The Desolation of Smaug came out like a year or two before this movie. And I couldn't help but to make the comparisons of that... Oh, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Desolation. It was... Um, uh, an unexpected journey. The first, the first Hobbit movie came out a couple years before this, and I couldn't help but to make the comparison of the close-up of Smaug's eye that we get at the very end of the movie, and this close-up that we get of the Indominus eye, because they're almost the exact same shot, mm. even even at even um, length of camera from the object is almost the exact same, and so it was kind of interesting because. When I came out of des- when I came out of um, an unexpected journey, I thought that Smaug, that those quick shots we got of Smaug was like some of the best reptile CGI I've seen in a long, long time, and I was certain that Jurassic there that Jurassic World would have to really, really up the ante to impress me. Yeah, and I de- I definitely think they did a great job with the Indominus on in this movie. Not so much the T Rex, but definitely the Indominus. <laughs> Well, we've talked before when she was breaking out that there's some shots in this where it looks like it's animatronic. It just yeah. it looks it looks like it's there. It, it looks so good. But even it, every every day you seem to go online, someone's comparing the, the Jurassic Park CG and effects to <laughs> to Jurassic World now, and just looking at that um, that original when Tyrannosaurus come into the Explorer there, and just the eye movement in that animatronic just it looks fantastic and now. Now they're doing the same thing with CG here, which they um, they wanted to not have the animatronics, but it still works. Mm-hmm. Well, Trevorrow was able to fight for at least one animatronic in this movie. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a few minutes' time. As I said last minute, no novel comparisons. Uh, everything we see here happens pretty much the same in the film. So, Dave, that's minute 59. Uh, anything else before we get heavy for today? Uh, I think we're good. All right, lovely. Lovely. 